everyone. Welcome to Engage and Equip podcast, a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. I'm Erin Hesse, one of your hosts. And um, before we get into our uh, next episode of Chewing on Substance, I want to tell you a little bit about an event that we do every so often called Explore, if you are newer to High Point. As Connections Coordinator, one of my roles is to help new guests really get connected into the church and get to know what we do here at High Point, what our mission and values are, all that good stuff. So Explore is a an event at usually at Pastor Nick's house, and this one will be held there where we talk about the things that we value and um, the direction that we're going as a church, the ministries that we offer, and it's a great place for you to be able to ask questions if you are newer here. Um, and, and if you're not newer and you still haven't been to Explore, I would definitely encourage you to go so that you know where we are headed as a church body. We have it offered on Wednesday, November 1st, which is in just a little bit over a week. And you can sign up at highpointchurch.org slash next steps. We would love to have you there. So today on our um, mini series of uh, Chewing on Substance, we're going to have Rebecca Cooks, one of our staff members, and Bill Taylor, one of our elders, talk about um, the chapter and sermon, Welcome to the Ordinary. This is week seven of our mini series, and we hope you enjoy it. Hey, welcome back to Chewing on Substance. This is week seven called Welcome to the Ordinary. My name is Becca, and I am here with one of our most esteemed elders, Bill Taylor. Um, Fun fact about Bill, he will usually give some sort of fun math fact at all of our church meetings, and he is known for having a workout regime that can put all of us 20-somethings to shame. So welcome, Bill Taylor. Hello. (laughs) Hi there. (laughs) You know, you must be shamed when you see how quickly I can wear myself out. Oh, okay. No, you just beat us, and our, our church staff went on a um, like a team-building retreat, and we um, learned how to row, like on a crew team, and Bill was on the winning team. Like I said, you could just put us all to shame. But anyway, so um, the last couple weeks, we have been talking about the four marks of substance, being self-sacrificial love, the mind of Christ, virtuous freedom, and um, walking in step with the Spirit. And so this week, Welcome to the Ordinary, is starting the section of the book that's kind of more, uh, what does this look like, lived out, maybe more the application section of the book. Um, So that is what we are going to be talking about today, just the ordinary life. And Bill, the first question that I wanted to ask you was the whole foundation of this chapter seemed to be talking about this burden that's on humans um, found in Ecclesiastes 3. And this burden um, is supposed to lead us to revering God. And so I was just wondering, can you kind of talk to me about what that burden is, how you explain that burden in your own words? Let's start there. Okay, I think of the burden as the fact that we are creatures and not the Creator although our flesh wants to believe that me, myself, and I are the three most important things in the universe. And we have to learn that and accept that and then eventually rejoice in that Mm -hmm. because it's much easier in one sense to be a creature and stay a creature than to be a creature and attempt to be a creator or the creator, which is just not not in the realm of possibility. Right. Um, And so therefore, uh, we can enjoy the creaturely things that we do. And in the next book he talks about roles, responsibilities, repetitions, and rhythms. And all of those are kind of inter, 
woven together. Mm -hmm. But their life consists of those things over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so why is it almost a, why is it a burden or why is it a struggle to recognize this fact that we are the creation and not creator? We are not God. Mm -hmm. What is it about life that's kind of pulling us in two different directions? Uh, from my perspective, looking back at my life, um, looking back all the way to my young teenage years, um, <clears throat> certain parts of my home life were difficult. Uh, my father had physical um, trouble in back operations back in the 50s, three of them in a 13-month span, uh, and then depression before and then grew up much more after that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I retreated into books as a refuge from the tension that was sitting there in my household. Mm -hmm. um, and I was very good at books. Um, and then when I went off to college, uh, books really became my salvation, you might say. Okay. Except they weren't. Uh, <laughs> and so I was trying very hard to manage my own life to, in my own way, my own standards, uh, and for a while I was, appeared to be doing very well. Uh, and then it all crashed because I realized, I don't know why I'm here, what I'm about. And mm -hmm. all those questions you're supposed to be asking yourself that I never asked myself mm -hmm. until I was forced to. Right. Uh, and then um, I began to read the Bible every day. Uh, my college roommate was a Christian and he had, was encouraging me that way. Uh, and things started making sense. Uh, and I became more and more content with just being ordinary. And so my ambitions to get a PhD in math eventually disappeared because God took the uh, delight in mathematics right out of me. <laughs> and then I was left here at the University of Wisconsin in graduate school. And math was just as hard and abstract and weird, but it wasn't fun anymore. And I very rarely, it was fun to begin with. If you're it coming was from my fun to begin with. It was wonderful. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, um, so from there on, more and more, I've just learned to enjoy the the, the day before me, mm -hmm. and I pretty much gave up, you know, trying to be something. Mm -hmm. Though it's also true that um, you had mentioned I was outrode most of the staff, uh, so mm -hmm. I do do some things with vigor and effort still, <laughs> but not all, everything. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting that you said you were starting to ask yourself these, these big questions like, what am I doing? Why am I here? And that really does speak to that pull that we tend to have where we're starting to ask questions like, is all this work that I'm doing uh, really amounting to anything? What am I accomplishing? Why am I working these tedious jobs or doing all of these tasks and am I accomplishing anything big and so we have this pull that's like looking for new things looking for change looking for the next step and yet we are also looking for stability and um, how Ecclesiastes uh, phrases it is that we um, have our hearts and minds set on eternity that we know that things are eternal or will be and we want good things to last however God makes everything beautiful in its own time, and so beautiful things don't always last. And so we've got like this pull of, what do we do? How is this working? And I thought 
it was kind of mind-blowing when Nick was saying, God has made this burden so that we get almost frustrated, that God has set it up so that we do need to acknowledge that he is the one that can give us almost reconciliation with this burden and that we're not really capable of achieving it ourselves. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I've saw that in my career. Did you? Uh, I worked for the state of Wisconsin most of my life in Department of Transportation, most of that, and the Highway Lab, most of that, and the Highway Lab for 20 years. Uh, so we were involved in testing materials, which then went into highway projects. And so this is great. We're doing Highway ABC, and then DEF, and another one, and another one, and another one. Mm -hmm. But before the 20 years were over, we were back to Highway ABC getting repaved all over again. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so even something that appears to be permanent, like highways, mm -hmm. just falls apart unless you're building roads in Italy, and then they don't fall apart because there's no frost. <laughs> but it's fine. Here, He's not bitter about Wisconsin winters coming. Um, it's okay. <laughs> so the Highway Lab is a big, long, stretched-out example of things just temporary. Uh, my washing the dishes every day, which I do, mm -hmm. uh, is another example. We just wash the dishes so we can make them messy again. But that mm -hmm. means we're entertaining people and, and feeding ourselves, which is important. Uh, so we can enjoy the temporary, knowing ultimately that God is working on the eternal part. And we can't and we must not even try, and try in one sense. I mean, we cooperate with him and what he's doing here. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good example. Um, so what is something from the book or the sermon that just stuck out to you? It could be your favorite part, it could be something that was convicting. I think just articulating how we enjoy the ordinary. Uh, <clears throat> I had noticed at various times at work, especially at the Highway Lab and then later in the Bureau of Aeronautics, mm -hmm. people would ask me something like, why are you happy? Hmm. And it always kind of struck me strange. I didn't think I was particularly odd. Mm -hmm. um, that's a matter of debate within <laughs> lots of circles. Uh, but it was like the Lord was working these lessons of embracing the ordinary and just enjoying testing things over and over and over, which I could do for about six or seven years in one area, and then I'd really start screaming. Uh, mm -hmm. and, but I was transferred to a different area within the lab a couple of times, so sure. I was in each area about six or seven years. Mm -hmm. um, but finding our delight in God has, is just helpful. I mean, it carries us. Um, one silly way to put it is a bum is a person with no visible means of support. Okay. And a Christian is a person with an invisible means of support. Mm. And we have that. Mm -hmm. And so we can do the best job in the highway lab or, or working with airport managers in the Bureau of Aeronautics or mowing the grass mm -hmm. at home, mm -hmm. uh, knowing that God is with us. Uh, so this last week when I was mowing the grass, I was thinking about the Sunday class that I would be involved in, which was about the the song passages in Revelation. And so in my head, I was had almost like a continuous loop. Mm -hmm. um, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Mm -hmm. You know, that we know High Point sings a couple of songs that have that in it. And then there's Messiah, which the great oratorio that has a glorious version of that. Uh, and it was wonderful. And I was just mowing the grass. Mm -hmm. uh, and so. 
thinking about God's eternity and goodness and, and salvation uh, made two hours of mowing the grass fine. Mm -hmm. Or more fine, and it's fine all the time, but it's more fine that day. <laughs> right. Right. And that goes along with one of just the practical applications of having this attitude of thankfulness that doesn't always come easily or right away, um, but the one that it does need to be practiced. So recognizing this is who God is. He is the Messiah and I can be thankful for that. Or I have a home with a lawn that I can mow. And so here we're going to be thankful for that. And how even just in the Bible multiple times, the author will say like, set your hearts and minds on what God has done for you. Remember and be thankful. It's a commandment to be thankful in that it's for our benefit and our good. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are times when I'm mowing the grass, I'm trying to get underneath a fruit tree, and the tree limb scratches my arm, and at that point I... You're not so uh, thankful for that tree. Uh, but then I'd have to reset my heart and mind to think, well, even though that fruit tree was being wicked, and hurting my arm, uh, <laughs> it gives fruit too. <laughs> and so there you I, go. It isn't that I forgive the tree, but I, I repent of being upset about it. <laughs> That's very big of you, Bill. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, I think I also felt convicted, um, similar to what you were talking about, with um, just trying to find meaning or purpose in our in our daily routines it was really convicting and helpful for me to remember that God, one, sees us as individuals, but knows how we feel, knows our thoughts. And so he knows that we do have a longing for things to change and for the new and exciting. He knows that um, we need that stability, but that we're also like, well, what's, what's the whole purpose and meaning behind this? Where's the blessing? And that he created pleasure and goodness, and he doesn't forbid those. It's not a bad thing. He's not just standing there saying, well, like, endure all of this boring stuff and you'll mm. eventually get your reward. But he is wanting to give us blessing, is wanting to give us purpose just from him and not from the daily toil that we have, mm -hmm. which was good for me to remember. Yeah, so on breaking the routine in my wife Diane's in my life, uh, we're flying to New York City on Friday. Uh, to visit a friend mm -hmm. who originally is from Philadelphia. Um, she's a big city lady, mm -hmm. uh, and we're Hicks from Virginia, uh, rural Virginia. I mean, we're totally, you know, Philadelphia versus a 2,000 person town is a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And then she's black and we're white. Uh, but when her mother died, or the last of the two parents to die, uh, we went and helped her, you know, clean out her mother's condominium. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just a wonderful blessing to be able to help her. Uh, now she's in New York City, uh, and we're going to visit for five days. And it's going to be delightful and terrifying, because New York City is a lot bigger than Madison. <laughs> and I have I've not been in New York City since the 1960s, other than touching down in LaGuardia and flying out. Boom, you know, there for 20 minutes. But airports don't count. They're not in, in a city. They don't count. They don't. Yeah. But it'll be different. And so there's a break in the routine. Um, mm -hmm. And that'll be nice. Yeah. So what would you say, Bill, have you found to be the most challenging part of this topic, of living the ordinary and finding blessing in it? I would say, well, the most challenging thing in my life in general is not taking the fruit tree scratches and 
turning into a little snarling monster. Uh, and that's part of enjoying the ordinary, but that's all of life. Um, there's a sense, being as old as I am, that uh, one sense, n nothing that Nick is saying is new. Hmm. I mean, it's like he's not inventing Christianity. <laughs> Look at that, wow. Uh, but how he puts it is clear, mm -hmm. and that I'm really enjoying. Um, so the challenge is just to do what I'm doing, but do it even better, and to really grab hold of the delight that is, for example, today I hugged Diane goodbye before we both left the house. Mm -hmm. So I made this crack about this being the end, and we hugged, but the reason that was a little crack was Yesterday, we got a, she got a phone call, and then I came home, and she said, Bill, we got a phone call, sit down. I, have, I think that's the first time she said that sort of thing to me. Mm -hmm. We got a phone call, sit down, I'm going to tell you about it. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down on the sofa, and she sat down next to me and took my hand. Wow. And then she told me that some dear friends of ours who are about 10 or 15, 10, 12 years younger than we are. Uh, we're out motorcycle riding, and mm -hmm. they're very sober people. Mm -hmm. And they crashed. Mm -hmm. And he died in the crash, and she was at UW Hospital Intensive Care Unit, mm -hmm. and according to their son from Connecticut who came, yeah. uh, she was dying. And this morning when we called UW Hospital, she was not a patient there, so mm -hmm. I presume she died. And so our routine, responsibilities and rows, roles, mm -hmm. repetitions and rhythms, they keep going until they don't. Mm -hmm. And we never know when that they don't is going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the time to rejoice over that sunrise is right now. Mm -hmm. And the time to rejoice that you've got those fruit trees is right now. And the time to rejoice that you have friends is right now. Because it might not last, well it won't last. Mm -hmm. but. It, might not last at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've been finding that those roles, rhythms, repetitions, those mm. are what give meaning and purpose and even balance to the things that are extraordinary. So like I've, I know I walked away from reading this chapter and hearing this sermon kind of thinking like, okay, so the exciting things, the new things, the different things, they're bad. We shouldn't go after those. That's like we, we should look for that contentment and just go for the ordinary. And that's like not what was being said at all, but that was in the back of my mind. Um, because it seems like all of the great new discoveries that have been made, all these cool inventions, you know, finding the new frontier, that's, that seems to come from a sense or a mentality of I'm not content, or let's look for the next big thing, or what's new, what's out there. And I was like, okay, so how, how do we rectify that? Like, what what is that all about? And... Um, it really made sense to me that you need both that desire for something extraordinary, that's something good that God has given us, but it does need to be balanced out with the ordinary repetitions of work. So for example, people who did find the new frontier of a new country or even the West in the United States, that was an extraordinary new thing. But then if those frontiers were going to become anything, you had to have people who were willing to do the ordinary everyday tasks of I'm going to plow this field year after year, I'm going to build this house one log at a time. Um, yeah. So that 
don't know, that was helpful for me. I'm like, okay, this is fine. And even the ones that went ahead of the uh, settlers, mm -hmm. they had to saddle the horse every day and make yeah. sure the horse had food and make sure they had food mm -hmm. and that they would not be in some high mountain pass when five feet of snow hits one night and there they are yep. forever. <laughs> and they're stuck. <laughs> and they're stuck. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, it looks like we are pretty much out of time, so we will wrap it up there. Thank you, Bill, for coming in and talking with us today. Thank it's you. Me. It's just me. <laughs> it was almost a pleasure. Oh, oh wow. Thanks so much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks for listening to Chewing on Substance this week, um, and we will be back with you next week for Chapter 9. All right, see you guys later.